Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn uh, here in Acts chapter 3. We'll continue our uh, study, our journey through Acts chapter 3. Uh, I want to just catch you up. We began uh, Acts chapter 3 last week and, you know, just consider some of the things that we've seen here. What, what a privilege to have this uh, wonderful uh, history book. It's a, it's a transitional book between the Gospels and the Epistles and uh, very much a history book. Of course, Luke is the human penman and uh, he wrote Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel is, um, I believe it's the longest Gospel and uh, it records great uh, detail regarding the life of Christ. Uh, God has used Luke as an inspired historian, but, but not just for the sake of giving us history. It's an it's, it's inspired historical account which contains tremendous doctrine, uh, a teaching for God's people. And so it is a privilege to be taught uh, by God through his words. And, and to know that these are the, the living words of God, that they're quick, they're powerful, and the Holy Spirit still, this morning, Brother A works through these words. Uh, so what have we seen? Well, I, I gave you an outline last uh, Sunday morning. Uh, we see Peter and John going to pray. They, they were men of great prayer, evidently. Uh, we saw uh, right on the heels of, of their uh, going to pray, Peter had the privilege uh, to heal uh, a lame man uh, and to immediately and completely heal that man. Of course, he understood and he, he desired others to understand that that healing was done uh, in the name and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter had no power to heal apart from Christ. And uh, honestly, we have no spiritual power today apart from Christ. We can uh, try to uh, act, to look, to appear, uh, to be quite spiritual on the outside, like the Pharisees, uh, but without a true uh, saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and a yieldedness to the Spirit of God that we obtain, that we obtain uh, in and through our faith in Christ, uh, there's no real power. There's no real power to accomplish those things that God desires. And uh, Peter healed, uh, demonstrating that power. Uh, and then he went on to preach a uh, second sermon, right, right on the heels uh, of his sermon at Pentecost. Uh, we have very quickly a second sermon, which uh, repeats uh, some of the themes, but does build on the foundation uh, of that first theme. And so uh, we do have the, the privilege to see that this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in here at verse 16. So we're in Acts chapter 3 verse 16. Uh, we'll start there this morning, but let's do pray first. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the B-I-B-L-E, for the Bible, Lord, for your words. We thank you, Lord, for giving them. Uh, Father, for, for helping your people to recognize them and to incorporate them into the canon of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for promising to preserve them and uh, for keeping your promise uh, to preserve them. Father, we thank you this morning for uh, a wonderful translation of your inspired and preserved words uh, in our King James Bible. Lord, I understand we, we really don't have that in English anywhere else. And so, Father, I just thank you so much again this morning for our King James Bible. Lord, we're grateful. Uh, I'm grateful, Father. I thank you so much for it. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I need that. I pray for you to help each one who's listening this morning. Father, we all need that. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who who aids us, who helps us as we spend time together uh, in your words. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, teach us now those things that you would have us to see. Father, help us to learn uh, and to apply these things as you would have us to apply them. 
Father, help us now. We love you. We thank you, Lord. And I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, part two of our uh, study through uh, Acts chapter three this morning, uh, Peter has already started to preach his second sermon, actually back in verse 12. If you just look back there for a moment with me, uh, we saw in verse 12, he took care not to take credit uh, for the miracle uh, of the healing. And think about the temptation uh, for a moment to uh, take credit. Here was a man who was completely lame from birth. He had to be carried around. He had to be carried to the temple where he would beg uh, for his living. Uh, and, and Peter comes along and he lays hands on him evidently and heals him. He's immediately healed and he's completely healed. There would have been a temptation uh, to pride for sure. Oh, look what I've done. I've healed this man uh, immediately and completely. Don't you, don't, aren't you impressed by me? There must have been uh, that kind of, of prideful uh, temptation, uh, and yet Peter took care not to do that. He, he quickly gave the Lord credit for uh, the healing. And boy, uh, how, how instructive is that for us? Uh, we, we really uh, don't accomplish anything in ministry apart from the Lord. We are indeed tempted to take credit for what is accomplished through us in ministry, uh, but, but it's the Lord who works in us and through us. And I just encourage us this morning to uh, take care to follow Peter's example. Yes, we can, be, we can be delighted. We can be thankful that the Lord works through us in ministry to accomplish uh, supernatural, well, accomplishments. But don't ever forget, please, it's the Lord. Uh, Peter um, went on and, and reminded them of a number of truths and uh, that they had denied Christ, and he used three titles. Do you remember those three titles? Do you have them in your notes? Uh, in verse 13, I'm sorry, 14, uh, he called Christ the Holy One. Uh, he's called the Holy One. He's called the Just. Uh, he had committed no um, unholiness, no sin, no injustice, uh, and yet he was killed in place of Barabbas, uh, Matthew 27. Uh, in verse uh, 14, uh, 15, he's called the Prince of Life. Uh, and I made the observation, how ironic is it that the Prince of Life uh, suffered death uh, unjust, unjustly. Uh, of course, he did that for us, and that, and that was God's plan. Uh, and praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. And thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your uh, obedience to that plan. And so now we come to uh, verse 16. Uh, here Peter preaches the power of Christ's name, uh, the power of Christ's name. Uh, and, and evidently we see here that it's Peter's faith in Christ. It's Peter's faith uh, in Christ that allowed or enabled him to perform the miraculous healing of this lame man. And, you know, that, that just makes sense. You're not going to be uh, used of God to accomplish much unless you have much faith in him. Uh, why would you go out and serve uh, trusting Lord, the Lord to work in you and through you uh, unless you had much faith in him? Well, you wouldn't unless your ministry is about you. Uh, if your ministry is about getting people to look at you and be impressed with you, well, that might not take much faith at all. But if it's a genuine ministry in which your desire is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father, uh, that's going to take some faith. Uh, that's going to take some faith because you'll recognize that uh, what God genuinely desires you to accomplish will not be accomplished apart from him. 
Uh, and so in verse 16, we see this. Peter uh, preaches, he says, and his name, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in context, uh, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. See this man over here, this man who used to be lame, who was lame from his mother's womb, uh, who's not lame anymore, the one who jumped up and bounded about, jumped around, uh, he was healed uh, uh, through faith uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how that was accomplished. And, uh, you know, we, um, we sometimes want to see God accomplish more than he accomplishes. Well, we, we do well to step back and say, uh, am I exercising faith in the Lord as I minister? Am I yielded to him? And am I exercising faith in God that he will accomplish through me that which he desires to accomplish? Lord, try our hearts. Uh, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, Peter testifies, whom ye see and know, yea, the what? The faith. The faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness, uh, total healing, perfect soundness uh, in the presence of you all. Uh, it's faith. You, you can go ahead and just circle faith, uh, the two instances of faith in that verse. So it's Christ who accomplished the miracle through Peter, uh, and it's Peter's faith in Christ uh, which the miracle was dependent on, Christ and faith in him. Lord, grow our faith, <laughs> grow our faith. And I, I, my hope this morning is, if you recall the account of the healing of this man and Peter's testimony about how that was accomplished, faith in Christ, I, I hope this morning that'll challenge your faith and uh, your faith will be grown as you consider that, meditate on that, chew on that uh, for a moment. Yes, God can use us to accomplish much, uh, in our individual ministries and, and, and through our church corporately, but uh, it does require faith in the name uh, of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, grow our faith, please. Lord, Lord, grow our faith. Well, Peter has, of course, been uh, the overriding theme of his preaching. His first message and second message is, is Christ, uh, the one who they have crucified. Uh, of course, Christ came to be crucified, uh, to pay the price for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of all people, uh, whether they're ultimately saved or not, we understand that. The question is, do people come to him in faith so that that payment can be paid on to their account or not? But Christ did pay the price of all sin for everyone. Uh, it's just a question of whether or not you accept the payment onto your account. Do you come to Christ in faith and place your faith in him so that his payment can be made onto your account or not? Well, it's, uh, again, Christ is at the center of Peter's preaching. Christ who was crucified, uh, his, the, the crucifixion of Christ being the, the, the foundation uh, for our forgiveness. Peter comes back to that in verse 17 and 18. He says, listen, I, want, I just want you to be reminded that um, this was according to prophecy. Uh, God, Christ wasn't surprised when he was arrested and crucified. God wasn't surprised when he was arrested and crucified. Uh, anyone who understood the scriptures uh, together with the truth that Christ is the Messiah, they weren't surprised when he was crucified because this was fulfilled. Uh, this was a fulfillment, there we go, of prophecy. And Peter says this, verse 17, uh, and now brethren, I want that through, I know that through ignorance you did it. Yeah, some of them did it through ignorance. They, they just didn't know. Uh, as did also your rulers. Uh, 
they didn't see that Christ came in fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by who? By the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. So uh, you have some truths here. Uh, you know, the, the Jewish rulers of, of the day did not recognize Christ as Messiah. And so they did not recognize uh, that he came and that he was crucified in fulfillment of the prophecy. By the way, that doesn't change the fact that he did come and was crucified in fulfillment of prophecy. And uh, Peter is showing them this, those who had been ignorant, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, bringing forth this truth, shedding light on the error, uh, exposing the error, and leading them to uh, the truth of God's word. Uh, so he's, he's teaching them that uh, this all happened according to prophecy. They can just look back now uh, into their Bibles. They can look back into the Old Testament scriptures uh, and, and see the uh, specific details of the coming, uh, the, the life and ministry of Christ, and, and yes, his crucifixion. They're all fulfilled. By the way, his resurrection uh, was prophesied and, of course, fulfilled. Uh, last word, verse, let me try that again, last word of verse 18. Um, I want to just take a moment and, and consider, make sure you have kind of a list uh, of some of those prophecies in your notes, and it would be good to have these in your Bible as well, you know, right next to verses 17 18 in your Bible. Uh, if you don't have a study Bible that lists some of the passages that Peter is referring to here, it'd be good to just get uh, some references down here uh, so that you can have them and refer back to them the, the next trip through uh, your Bible. Uh, so just consider what are some of the verses or passages that prophesied the crucifixion of Christ. I know we always think of Isaiah 53, and we'll, we'll read some of those verses in a moment, but you know, get, get that into your brain if it's not there. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. Those are kind of our go-to passages when we think about uh, where is the uh, crucifixion of Christ prophesied so very clearly. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, those are key passages. You want to make sure you have the, the references in your mind. I'm going to ask you when you come in this morning, hey, where can I find, Brother Ray, where can I find uh, in, the, in the Old Testament prophecy regarding the crucifixion of Christ? And you'll say, well, Pastor, it's Isaiah 53, and I would encourage you to look at Psalm 22 also. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. Of course, those aren't the only passages. There's, there's lots of passages uh, where the crucifixion of Christ is prophesied uh, by the Lord's prophets. Hey, all the way back in Genesis, you remember this one too, right? Genesis chapter 3, uh, they're at the fall, and, and where the Lord is um, dealing uh, with the serpent, with Satan, uh, Genesis 3 and verse 15, uh, the Lord told uh, the serpent, Satan, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, seed of a woman, uh, well, her seed, let's get that right. Thy seed, her seed, her seed, Christ came as seed of a woman. Uh, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise uh, his heel. So uh, this is a, the first allusion in scripture to uh, the crucifixion. Uh, at the crucifixion, at the cross, Christ struck a death blow uh, at Satan. Uh, his, his head was bruised. Uh, that's a death blow, that's picturing a death blow 
Whereas Christ's heel was only, only his heel was bruised. That's, yes, he died, but he didn't stay in the grave. And it's, uh, it's not a permanent blow uh, like the, the death blow to the head that Satan suffered at the cross. Uh, Satan's power is limited. He is ultimately defeated uh, at the cross. I understand the Lord's allowed him a degree of liberty in the world today, but it's very temporary. It, it's very temporary. He has already been defeated um, at the cross. And so Genesis 15 is the first place where uh, this is recorded. And uh, of course, God used, um, God used Moses to inscripturate that prophecy. How did Moses know this? How did Moses know these words? Uh, was he there? No, he was not there. Uh, the Spirit of God gave Moses those words. Uh, some said, well, per perhaps, um, uh, perhaps Adam uh, handed down a record of those events and it was available to Moses. That may very well be, but it wasn't necessary in order for Moses to inscripturate these words because he wrote under inspiration of the Spirit of God. Well, get this reference down too. Isaiah 52 uh, verses 14 and 15. So right before Isaiah 53. So uh, you got Genesis 3, 15, 16. You're already thinking about Isaiah 53, I'm sure. So just kind of add, add to your memory bank now. If I think Isaiah 53, oh yeah, uh, there's, there, there's a reference to the uh, crucifixion of, of the Messiah in Isaiah 52, also beginning in verse 14. Uh, there the Bible says, Isaiah 52, uh, verse 14, says this. As many were astonished at thee, his visage, uh, his appearance, was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Uh, verse 15 continues, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told, them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Uh, very clearly, especially verse 14, uh, a, a clear reference to Christ where he was uh, so badly beaten and, and bruised, and, and people were astonished, uh, no doubt, by his appearance. His, vis his visage, his appearance, uh, was so marred more than any man. Uh, verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Uh, yeah. Uh, the blood of Christ, <laughs> the blood of Christ uh, now covering the sins of all those who would come to Christ in a humble, repentant faith. Uh, yeah, his blood is sprinkled and, and covers our sins, uh, as was pictured in the Holy of Holies, first in the tabernacle uh, and then in the temple. Uh, the blood uh, came in and was sprinkled upon the mercy seat, uh, that covering over the law, which pictures the revelation of sin, uh, by God's word, uh, what an amazing picture of what Christ would ultimately accomplish on the, on the cross, on the cross. Then, of course, we do have Isaiah 53, and let's, let's take a moment. We have time this morning, I think, to uh, read some of uh, Isaiah 53. Uh, let's do look at that. Maybe it's been a, a time since you've been reminded of just how vividly Isaiah prophesied uh, the crucifixion of Christ. How did he do this hundreds of years before the crucifixion? Well, just as the words were given by God to Moses, uh, these words are given by God through the inspiration process. The Holy Spirit specifically uh, gave these words to Isaiah. Isaiah 53.1, let's, let's read a bit of this this morning. Uh, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant 
and as a root out of a dry ground. Now see, see the next part here. He hath no form nor comeliness. Uh, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. You know, it's probably true of Christ before the cross. You know, to look at him, uh, there, there perhaps was nothing particularly impressive uh, about his appearance before the cross. Certainly, uh, as he went to the cross, you would have only been impressed by uh, how badly his visage, his appearance was marred, uh, as we saw there in, in the prior chapter. Uh, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. Yeah, absolutely he was. Uh, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, of course. Uh, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. And of course, he was afflicted upon the cross. And uh, verse 5 says it this way, he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, what's a transgression? Well, it's breaking of the law. And that, of course, is sin. The law is a schoolmaster that reveals our sin, that reveals that we need a Savior. Christ was wounded upon the cross because of that, because we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Uh, he was bruised. Uh, for our iniquities, our sin, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, uh, we are healed. Now, that's not a promise of uh, he physical healing of affliction uh, prior to the, um, uh, to the rapture. No, it's a, it's a picture of spiritual healing. Uh, we, you know, the first time we commit that first sin, we experience a spiritual death. Uh, but then in, there's a sense in which we are spiritually healed uh, and become spiritually alive again. This is made possible by the cross, by the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. Verse 6 says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. Yeah, we're sinners. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Christ, the iniquity uh, of us all, us all, us all. Christ went to the cross to bear all sins for all people. And you've heard me say before, we have to be careful not to read into that the idea, well, uh, because he paid the price for all sin, everyone is automatically okay with God the Father. Everyone is automatically forgiven. Well, if that were true, you wouldn't see John the Baptist and Jesus and, and Peter and Paul all preaching the necessity of repentance uh, and faith in the Savior who did this for us. No, he's made possible the forgiveness of all sins of all people, but what is uh, required in order to receive that forgiveness, in order to receive the payment of Christ onto our account uh, is repentance, turning from sin, uh, placing one's faith in Christ for forgiveness. And boy, in that moment, in that very moment, uh, the payment that he made on the cross is, is paid right directly onto our account and it's marked paid in full because he paid the price for all of our sins uh, there upon the cross. Uh, praise God. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb uh, to the slaughter, sure enough. And as a sheep before her, shear, his, her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Skip down to verse 9. He made his grave with the wicked uh, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Uh, yet it pleased the Lord, verse 10, to bruise him. Uh, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. This is Peter's point. This is God's plan. Not a surprise. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. 
an offering for sin. All of the Old Testament offerings pictured this final offering of Christ uh, upon the cross. I understand offerings will be performed in the millennium, by the way, at the millennial temple. Those will look back to, those will commemorate the cross. All the Old Testament offerings looked ahead. They, they prefigured the cross. Then we have the cross. No offerings being performed right now. The, the commemoration of the cross that we have during the church age, of course, is Lord's Supper. In the millennial reign of Christ, when we have a millennial temple, uh, evidently the offerings will be reinstituted as a memorial, a reminder, a commemoration of the cross. Uh, what a thing that will be to see. Uh, I lost my place. Uh, I lost my place. Offering for sin, middle of verse 10, he shall uh, see his seed. Uh, that word goes all the way back to where? Genesis 3.15, Christ's seed of a woman. Uh, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he shall see the travails of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge uh, shall my righteous servant justify many. Uh, he'll, he shall justify, make right before the Father many. Uh, he shall bear their iniquities. That's how. That's the mechanics of it. Uh, verse 12, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with transgressor, transgressors. You remember Christ was crucified with two men who were guilty. Uh, and one, of course, placed his faith uh, in Christ upon the cross and uh, was in, with uh, him uh, in paradise that very day. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's Isaiah 53. That's that passage that we always refer to as a very clear prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. First in Genesis 3.15. Uh, then in Isaiah 52, 14 and 15. Then Isaiah 53, 1 down through uh, 13. Great prophecies, great prophecies uh, of Christ. I'm not going to read it this morning, but Psalm 22 adds very specific details uh, regarding the crucifixion, uh, the parting of his garments, his words from the cross, and so forth. Uh, here's one that you might not have in your head. Uh, Zechariah 13 and verse 6. Zechariah 13 uh, and verse 6 also prophesies the cross. Uh, and one shall say unto him, What are these wounds uh, in thy hands? Then he shall say, Those with which I was wounded, the house of my friends. Um, of course, his um, disciples uh, were able to witness the wounds in his hands after his uh, resurrection. So you might say, uh, Zechariah 13.6 is more a prophecy of resurrection and some specific things that would follow that. And I think technically, literally, that's true, but uh, certainly the wounds in his hands allude back to, Brother Ray, they point back to the cross uh, where those uh, terrible uh, spikes were pounded through his, his hands and his feet. Uh, I don't even like to think about it. Uh, I'm sure you don't either, but... Uh, just, just take a moment, please, and consider all that the Lord endured. Uh, it was not an easy thing. It was not a simple thing. It was not over quickly. Uh, there was tremendous agony and suffering. Uh, his visage was marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of men, Isaiah 52, 14. He suffered terribly for us. Why did he do that? Well, he did it because uh, the Father and the Son love us that much. 
He did it because there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Uh, why is that? Well, that's, that's God's determination. He's God. Uh, he gets to determine that. Uh, he, he alone determines what satisfies him. This was what would satisfy him perfectly, completely, uh, and forever, finally, and forever. Uh, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you endured upon that cross uh, for me. And so Peter pointing them back to um, these truths. Hey, this was the prophesied way of salvation. The, the cross was prophesied by your prophets, people. And, and, and you need to understand that that was for you. Uh, and all you need to do to partake of that uh, payment that was made for you uh, is repent and be converted. Uh, and that's the next verse, verse 19. First part of verse 19 says, uh, repent ye, therefore, everyone. Uh, he speaks grammatically, literally, the ye is all of them that were present. He's saying to all of them, repent ye, turn. Uh, therefore, turn from your sin. Uh, turn from this terrible sin. Uh, turn from the sin that's in your life. Uh, turn to Christ, this one who uh, is the prophesied uh, Messiah who uh, was crucified uh, for you. Uh, turn from your sin and turn to him, all of you, ye, turn to him, therefore, uh, and be converted. Uh, be converted from lost sinners who were on their way to hell to save sinners uh, who are now righteous, justified, and righteous in God's eyes. Uh, be converted to people who are saved from hell. Uh, receive that new nature that the Holy Spirit gives in that moment that you repent and uh, place your faith in Christ. Uh, why? Why? Well, uh, verse uh, 19 continues, that your sins may be blotted out. Uh, that your sins may be blotted out. And uh, Peter, no doubt, had re referred them, at least alluded back to, uh, Isaiah passages would speak specifically about that, the blotting, uh, the crucifixion for the blotting out of sin. Um, by the way, the, the word translated as blotted out has the sense or the idea of to wash away, uh, to erase, uh, or to obliterate. Uh, one man writes, the wonderful application is that when we turn to Christ, trusting him as Savior, our sins are washed away, erased, obliterated, uh, blotted out. They're covered by the blood of Christ. They're erased. Uh, they're blotted out. Think of uh, an old fountain pen. and uh, Maybe someone had written something and then uh, decided that they didn't want that to stay there. Well, not having an eraser, they would blot it out. They would take ink, more of the ink, and literally blot it out. Our sins are covered, uh, they're blotted out, no longer visible um, to God the Father because they're covered by the blood of God the Son. He, they, he therefore sees us uh, as righteous. Now understand this morning that uh, that's the position that we occupy the moment we repent and turn to Christ, uh, but uh, the practicality of the situation is that our sanctification, the process by which we become more practically holy, uh, is a process. Uh, our salvation is accomplished in a moment, in a precise point in time, but our sanctification is a process that is accomplished by the Holy Spirit over time as we yield to him and obey. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, Praise God. Lord, continue to work in our lives, please. Peter goes on and he, he begins to, uh, he continues to preach. Uh, he preaches regarding the millennium. Uh, and so, you know, I think in the first part, um, 
of the why of, of the verse 19, uh, personal salvation, I think Peter goes on and, and he also uh, desires that they understand that Christ came first uh, for the Jews, for the nation of Israel, his people. And so uh, Peter alludes to a national salvation uh, that will be known in the millennium also. Uh, if you look here, uh, so he says, why? Well, that your sins be blotted out. That's, that's personal. And I think he goes on and he's alluding here to uh, more of a national salvation and the millennium. He says, when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which, was, uh, which before was preached unto you, uh, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things. So uh, there's, there's a fair amount going on here. He speaks of a time of refreshing uh, and a time of restitution. I understand that in the millennium, Brother Ray, uh, the world will be uh, refreshed. I understand that the world will be restored to something more like uh, the garden, uh, time of restitution. This, this, the word underlying restitution here uh, has the idea of restoration, restoring something to the way that it was. Well, think about the garden. It was a perfect creation. Uh, it was marred by sin in that when Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord proclaimed, pronounced a curse upon all of creation, including man. And so uh, the creation that we know today is very much marred by sin. Well, in the millennium, the Lord will restore it back to that which he uh, intended uh, without the marring of sin. Uh, this will be a time of refreshing, a time of restitution. Uh, and um, there will be very much the case, it will be very much be the case that all of God's promises to the nation of Israel that have not already been fulfilled will in fact be fulfilled then. So uh, I believe Peter here is preaching about the necessity of individual personal salvation, but also looking ahead now to that wonderful time when Israel as a nation uh, will know salvation and um, all of those final promises uh, will be fulfilled in the millennium. Of course, we'll have the privilege to be present with the Lord, uh, ruling and reigning with him. Uh, that's, that's our hope. That's our hope. It's a, it's a wonderful hope. Uh, see verse 21, Peter again preached uh, regarding the fact that Christ uh, ha had been prophesied. He said, uh, which, this is middle of verse 21, which God uh, has spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. All the way back to Genesis 3, we looked at that, uh, which Moses uh, truly said, this is going to be Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15, unto the fathers, a prophet. Uh, here Christ is referred to as a prophet. Uh, Shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, Christ came as a descendant uh, of David, uh, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So uh, here again, uh, Peter is pointing uh, his listeners back to uh, the prophets here, Moses uh, as a prophet, uh, and specifically alluding to Deuteronomy 18.15, uh, calling Christ a prophet. Of course, uh, he is that final perfect prophet. The office of prophet throughout the Old Testament is an allusion to or a picture of or foreshadowing of a type if you prefer of christ who would be the final perfect prophet of god uh, in verse 23 
there's prophecy regarding the consequences for refusing Christ, that perfect prophet. This alludes back to Deuteronomy 18:19. It shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be destroyed from among the people. Of course, that uh, is an allusion to hell. Uh, on a personal level, this is fulfilled in hell. Uh, it's been suggested, by the way, that uh, Peter may have been prophesying also on a national level. He may be prophesying here the uh, destruction of Jerusalem uh, in A.D. 70, uh, when the Romans came in and uh, destroyed uh, the temple in, in Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So, um, just as we saw Peter uh, seeming to allude to the necessity of personal individual salvation uh, and then looking ahead to national salvation in the millennium, uh, here he seems to be speaking of personal consequences for refusing Christ together with national consequences, consequences for uh, the nation of Israel uh, if they would refuse Christ. And uh, again, it's, it's possible that this was fulfilled uh, in A.D. 70. Uh, it's, it's very likely that this continued to be filled throughout history, uh, fulfilled throughout history. Really, uh, it's possible uh, up until the time following World War II when uh, the, the uh, Palestine, or much of it at least, was restored back to uh, the Jewish people as the nation of Israel. Uh, it's, it's possible that this, this could allude to any portion of that time, um, certainly. See verse 24, Peter preached that all of the of, uh, writing uh, the prophets had foretold. Let me try that again. Peter preached that all the writing prophets had foretold uh, details regarding Christ. We've seen many of that this morning. So now the verse, here we go, now the verse. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel. Uh, Samuel will be the first uh, of the writing prophets if you don't view Moses as the first. Uh, he says, yea, all the prophets from Samuel uh, and those that follow after, uh, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Uh, and then we'll see the last two uh, verses here. Peter, of course, preaching uh, to the descendants of the prophets, uh, the ones for whom all of the prophecy was given. Verse 25 says, ye are the children of the prophets. All the prophets prophesied Christ for you. You're the children of the prophets. Uh, and ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, unto the Jewish people first, uh, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you uh, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Yes, Christ came as a Jewish Messiah for the Jews first, but thankfully, thankfully, Zachary, for Gentiles uh, like us as well. And so this is Peter's message. The prophesied Christ came. Uh, he did die according to prophecy so that you could be forgiven uh, individually and so that there could be a salvation uh, nationally for Israel. That will be known in the millennium. Lord, help us to get this message out. Lord, help us to have a heart to get this message out. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your words. Thank you for this passage. Lord, what a, what a great reminder of all the evidence in Scripture that Christ is 
the Messiah. Lord, I understand this morning no other faith uh, has the proof of prophecy, uh, the proof of uh, so much detailed scripture, uh, so many different witnesses over such a long period of time uh, providing so detailed a description of, of things that would come hundreds of years later. Lord, I thank you this morning for the great proof of prophecy. Lord, I pray this morning for Jewish people who continue to struggle to understand that Christ is uh, their Messiah. Lord, we, we lift up Jewish people here in our community, uh, in our nation, around the world, certainly those living in Israel. I pray this morning for uh, missionaries who are there today trying to uh, reach Jewish people with this same message that Peter preached all the way back in the first century. Lord, this is the message that they need to hear. I pray, Father, as you may give us opportunity uh, to uh, witness to Jewish people. Lord, number one, I do pray for that opportunity. Father, number two, I pray this morning that when we have that opportunity, that you might remind us, hey, just take that person back to Acts chapter 3, Peter's second message uh, there in Acts chapter 3. Uh, Lord, help us to go right back there and, and preach the same message to them, share the same message, uh, and take them back into the same Old Testament scriptures that we've seen today. Uh, Lord, we're prepared, we're equipped by you and your words and, and this teaching this morning to do that. And so I pray, Father, you give us a heart to take what we've learned and to share it if you will give us an opportunity to do that. Father, we can with your help. And I thank you this morning for it. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.